Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Ron Jorlock, and I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. I'm excited for our conversation today because I'm joined by a dear friend and colleague, Dr. Jim Shaddix. And Dr. Shaddix serves as professor of preaching at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary as he occupies the W.A. Criswell Chair of Expository Preaching. He also serves as the senior preaching fellow here at our center, uh, the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership. And he's authored several books, including Power in the Pulpit, Decisional Preaching, and several volumes in the Christ-Centered Exposition Commentary Series. Dr. Shaddix, thanks again for joining today's uh, discussion on spirit-empowered exposition. Uh, it's a topic that I know that you're very familiar with. Uh, you've written on the topic. You, you teach a course here at Southeastern on the topic as well. So, so to get the conversation started... Why don't we start with some definitions? Uh, what exactly is spirit-empowered exposition? Yeah, well, let me first of all, even before I respond to the question, say thank you for uh, mm-hmm. uh, letting me be a part of this. It's great to be back. Love what you guys are doing uh, yeah, with this podcast, and uh, it's so helpful for for all of us. So when I think about spirit-empowered exposition, I'm just uh, you know I think about. Uh, you know, the the expository preaching process that is attended by the Holy Spirit and uh, lifted above the the natural, lifted above the the human. So when the Spirit attends uh, to our preaching, uh, he he, he does something we can't do, uh, makes it an otherworldly event that enables people to hear hear God's voice uh, through the preaching of the Word. Mm, yeah, yeah, and and as I said before, we have a we have a class in this. You teach a course in this. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that course? Yeah, you know, this is a it, it, it's a it's an upper level uh, course. It's really the only it's only the upper level course I teach uh, here at Southeastern, and uh, uh, it is part of our preaching and pastoral leadership track. But it's open to anyone and. Uh, it's basically a, a course uh, on helping us to think about how do we how do we engage the Holy Spirit in the the preaching event? Uh, how do we tap into this otherworldly resource that God has you know given us to use? Now, I'll be honest with you and tell you it it really is a course on prayer uh, because. Uh, while prayer is not the only uh, means or you know element that's involved, I think in engaging the Holy Spirit in our preaching, um, I think it's the primary one, and it's one that's so neglected, uh, sadly enough to say, in so many pastors and preachers' lives. So, you know, it, it, it in big picture, it's just about you know all things holy spirit prayer anointing unction you know those things we we think about when we're thinking about spirit empowered exposition but probably the the focus of the course is on prayer in fact uh, we teach it in a three-hour block, mm-hmm. and uh, one of those hours of that block every week is just spent in prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, we pray in all of our classes here at Southeastern. Yeah. This is a course where it, it's, you know, it, it's the subject matter. Mm-hmm. And so we we do it together uh, in in class. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. What books do you use in that class? So um, in in that book, I, in that course, um, l- let me let me back up and say mm-hmm. I think all of our you know in all of our preaching courses, our foundational courses, I think all of our profs uh, have some textbook that you know that connects the the preaching event, the exposition process with the spiritual dynamics. So there, there are some books that we, you know, we, we think or, you know, our students have been exposed to before they, they get there. For example, in my uh, base uh, exposition course, Bible Expo 1, I use E.M. Bounds' Power Through Prayer. Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. Bounds wrote a lot on prayer. Uh, that's his volume on the relationship of prayer to preaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bible Expo 2, and I think a, a number of our profs use this book, Greg Heisler's book, mm-hmm. Spirit-Led Preaching. Yeah. You know? yeah. So so we hopefully our students, before they come to that course, you know, mm-hmm. most of them have been exposed to this subject and, and read some on it. So we don't, don't reuse those books in the Spirit-Empowered Exposition course. Uh, as far as the Holy Spirit is con- concerned, we use uh, an old uh, little book uh, called The Threefold Secret of the Holy Spirit uh, by James McConkie. Uh, probably just the, you know, the, the simplest pneumatology I think you, you, know, you, you can find, but just so profound. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, again, you know, small book, but an older one, it's public domain, so mm-hmm. guys can get it free off the mm-hmm. internet, you know, if they, you know, if they want to. But uh, um, so that one, used A.W. Tozer's How to Be Filled with the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. uh, which basically was a series of sermons, you know, mm-hmm. that he do, uh, had done on the subject, you know, on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Spirit. Um, in in the category of revival, you know, just renewal, um, uh, Leonard Ravenhill's book, uh, Why Revival Tarries, you know, we work through mm-hmm. that together. Mm-hmm. The, the two primary books, I all three of those are— uh, I really don't want to say devotional, but I just, you know, I I want to see the guys just engage those books and be challenged in their hearts, stirred in their spirits. Um, the two primary books that we use, that we work through pretty methodically uh, in, the, in the course, uh, one is um, D.A. Carson's book, Praying with Paul. Yeah. That book we use to kind of guide our hour of prayer uh, each week. Uh, Carson is really helping us think about how Paul prayed, which, you know, when we read the prayers of Paul in the New Testament, it's um, it's dis- different from most of the way most of us pray, sure. you know, and so trying to think about how do we, how do we pray for the things that the Spirit inspired Paul to pray, you know, at least as far as Scripture is concerned. And so uh, that and that kind of guides, you know, he, he deals in pretty much in every chapter with one of Paul's prayers, and we usually use that prayer as the guide for our prayer time. So the students read that book, but then they come and we actually we actually do it together. And then the other book um, is a book by Paul Miller called A Praying Life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that book is 
it has it really, really, uh, you know, informed the prayer lives of a lot of people I know. It's it's amazing how many people have, you know, have used that and been touched by it. Um, I think what Paul, what Miller does is he helps us think more about what it means to be a child coming to a father in utter dependence. Mm. Uh, and so that's really the primary focus of that. Uh, and we, you know, we, we, you know, we spend some time talking about that one in class and discussing the things he's, he's addressing and, and really thinking through, you know, how does that challenge us mm. in, you know, in enjoying uh, number one, enjoying the child-father relationship we have, uh, but also expressing mm-hmm. just absolute, utter dependence upon our Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are excellent, excellent books, and, and definitely uh, worth reading, uh, even for those uh, who who won't uh, shell out the tuition uh, to take the class. <laughs> right. they're, they're excellent, excellent books. Why, why is it necessary to teach this spirit empowered yeah. exposition what what are some uh, correctives uh, uh, for instance that that, yeah. that you are seeing kind of in the field uh, that that this class uh, seeks to uh, seeks yeah. to address you know a number of years ago I read a uh, you know a statement made by a you know a, a brother who had, had written some on on prayer and the Holy Spirit and really the subject on spirit empowered exposition and you know he just made the observation that um, that the you know the, the our doctrine of the Holy Spirit is not synonymous with his effects and his influences. Mm-hmm. Really, is omnipresence. You know, so he, you know, he that that was specifically what he said that the omnipresence of the Holy Spirit is not synonymous with his effects and his influence. In other words, just because you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Um, doesn't mean his effects and his influences are automatic in our lives. Mm. And all of us know this. We know this in our Christian lives. You know, we know that we, you know, our, our pneumatology, our doctrine of the Holy Spirit tells us when we get saved, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives. Mm-hmm. And so he's present with us. But But we also know, you know, times in our lives where we're, squelching uh you know the influence of the spirit we're we're pushing him aside we're not listening we we all know that well i think we forget that reality in preaching sometimes mm-hmm. in exposition that we just assume you know the holy spirit is part of the preaching event from a to z yeah, you know beginning yeah. to end mm-hmm. um you know we have to have him in the study we have to have him as we engage the word we we have to have him uh, you know, to understand truth, we have to have him. You know, to work in the lives of listeners, all of those things. You know, as well as his attendance in the moment of delivery, mm-hmm. and so we know that the Holy Spirit is inside of us, and we know that, you know, that at least in theory, He's involved in the whole thing. But it's easy because we, you know, we think He's omnipresent. It's easy to presume upon his engagement in in that whole process, mm-hmm. and particularly the preaching moment. Yeah. Um, and and so I think that's caused a lot of preachers to, 
you know, the, the way I would say it is, is just get lazy with regard to their pursuit of his engagement, mm-hmm. to not presume upon it, uh, not assume it, but do everything that Scripture dictates for us to align ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, with that. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the spiritual reason, I yeah. think, or one of the primary spiritual reasons. Um let me just speak to really what birthed that course, you know, I think for us here at Southeastern, uh, you know, we're not the only ones that inform this process in preachers' lives, but we're one of the players, you know. Mm-hmm. Students come to seminary, and we teach preaching. We talk about preaching. Those are important things, and we we rejoice in the fact that they're, you know, over the last 30 years, uh, I think in our own convention, you know, with the conservative resurgence, there's been a revival of exposition, and we we celebrate, you know, that. But in, in the academic world, mm-hmm. if you think about it, mm-hmm. if you think about, you know, our own journeys, think about, you know, our, our curriculum, and, you know, if you just take Acts 6 and what the apostles said there is just a little gauge, you know, when they said, we will devote ourselves to prayer mm-hmm. And the ministry of the word. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you got those two things, and it's interesting that prayer is first. Mm-hmm. You know, enlisted. So using that as a lens, if I just look back at my own journey in theological education, and I ask the question, how many courses have I taken that informed the ministry of the word? Mm. And I can go back and I can find Old Testament, New Testament, Greek, Hebrew, hermeneutics, homiletics, yeah. you know, uh, uh, theology, uh, you know, many elective courses. I know when I was in seminary, I took a bunch of electives on preaching from Galatians or mm-hmm. preaching from, you know, another book of the Bible. And and you just start counting up the number of courses we teach, not assuming that Guys know how to handle the word, so we we teach them all this as we should. But then you come over to the other category and you ask the question, how many courses have they taken on prayer? Hmm. And for most of us, that would boil down to one section of one semester of one course Mm -hmm. in a spiritual Mm -hmm. disciplines course. Mm -hmm. Why is it we assume they know how to pray? Yeah and that they do pray, but we don't assume that they know how to handle the Word. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know I don't know all the fixes for that, mm-hmm. but I know this is an effort for us to say, hey, you know, at least for, you know, a segment of our, our students that are, you know, in, in studying preaching, we want you to be exposed to something that can't be an assumption. Yeah. So I, I think it's important mm-hmm. for us to teach uh, and not assume mm-hmm. that um, everybody's doing it. I, and if you come on the other side of it and look at the statistics of how much time pastors spend in prayer mm-hmm. um, every day, uh, it's pretty frightening. Yeah. You know, and you yeah. compare that to how much time do they spend in sermon preparation, and it's just out of balance. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and I mean, if you're not depending on the Holy Spirit, you're depending on something, right? You yeah. know, <laughs> and and in a lot of cases, I think we, being so resource rich uh, in our in our culture, 
Um, you know, we have the Bible software. We've we've got commentaries. You know that are not even just accessible um, uh, physically, but accessible electronically. You know, and 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 just all of these different things. And we can depend on, <laughs> ironically, depend on our study. You know, uh, to to give us you know the the sermon you know that we need and 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 so on. Uh, whereas the study should be the end product of the time that we've spent with the Lord, you know, communing with Him and 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 so on. And so it's out of it's birthed out of that time with the Lord that we have the material that we that we gain in our study, which then you know informs us in terms of our in terms of our message. Yeah, uh, so, yeah so it's almost like the the. Um, the effect becomes the cause, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and yeah. and that that happens all the time. Or or we have folks that uh, they they depend on their personalities. You know, they've got the charisma, they've got the you know the uh, the the face, if you will. You know, they they've they know how to speak. They're they're excellent communicators. Um, but I wonder if. Uh, we had, you know, kind of the New Testament face to face moments, if you will, uh, that that somebody would say, you know, I I don't know who you are, yeah. you know, uh, I I have no idea who you are. And remember, in Matthew seven, <laughs> when Jesus says, you know, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, and so on, uh, it's in the context of false teachers. Yeah. Uh, so you have these folks who, you know, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we, you know, prophesy in your name? Didn't we do all that? You could, you could even add it in there. Didn't we, weren't we preaching week in and week out in your name? And and there's something about that that the Lord says, yeah, but but see that what you were missing, <laughs> you know, was significant enough yeah. that. I I never knew you. Oh, that's yeah. so good. You know, there there's a there's an Old Testament parallel to that. I think is one of the most frightening passages to me is is God's uh, condemnation of the prophets in Jeremiah twenty three, mm-hmm. and he he rebukes them for several things. You know, you ran when I didn't send you. You said, "Thus saith the Lord," when I hadn't spoken. That's the passage he actually says, you steal my words one mm. from another, mm-hmm. uh, which is really, uh, you know, which is really frightening. So you, you got all these things, but there's a common denominator that runs all the way through it. And that is you did all these things, but you haven't been in my counsel. Mm. And I, you, you you mentioned the our access to, you know, to not only study resources, but, you know, you got... You got access to good expository mm. sermons, yeah. sermons that interpret the text mm-hmm. rightly, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that at a touch of a button you can download. Of course, yeah. we've got study services where you can pay somebody else to, you know, to do, you know, the, the access mm-hmm. to to good sermons, you know. And, and there's a lot of heresy, obviously, out there, but I'm talking sure. about access to good stuff. Sure. But, you know, if I download a sermon, a good expository sermon off the Internet and just get up and present it to people and haven't been in the counsel of the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, there's something missing. This mm-hmm. is just a transference of information through this mm-hmm. thing called a sermon as opposed to a supernatural event that grows out of knowing him yeah and that passage you were talking about about you know being in relationship with him mm-hmm. and spending time in his counsel you know yeah so. 
Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I can think of also uh, Simon um, in, in Acts 8. Yeah. You know, uh, he's seeing the work of the Spirit, yeah. you know, all around. And he starts reaching for his wallet. You know, hey, Peter, how, how much does this cost? Exactly. You know, give, give me some of that Spirit stuff, you know. That... And I sign up. That's exactly <laughs> right. right. You and, know, yeah. Roger, there, uh, this whole thing, you know, just something you said just really – you know, made me think about this. My whole journey with this subject, mm-hmm. which, which, by the way, I want to be clear to say, is a subject I have not mastered in mm-hmm. a in mm-hmm. a practice. I've not. This is still an uphill climb for Absolutely. me. My flesh pulls against it every day, every mm-hmm. week. You know, but my journey on this, which this is a, a longer story, you know, but ultimately was the thing that led me to theological education. Was wanting to have this conversation. But it it really all stemmed from coming to the place of realizing that, at least in the Western church, we can do this thing. You know, we can do this thing that we do, and and by that I mean be Christian leaders, mm-hmm. pastor churches, lead ministry organizations. Um, we can do this, and we can do it our entire lives in a way that most people looking on would say we were successful mm-hmm. or we were effective. If mm-hmm. you don't want to use the word successful, that we uh, we can actually grow churches, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. by all the standards that most people in the Western world measure effectiveness and success. And yeah. that is what leads to, you know, you, you can learn enough about leadership that you become a, a good enough leader that people want to follow you. Mm-hmm. You can become a good enough administrator that you know how to put programs together that people want to come to and they want to bring their kids to. You could have a dynamic enough personality that people just want to hang with you. Yeah. And you could be a good enough orator mm-hmm. that people want to come hear you talk. Mm-hmm. And you just take those four things, and there's certainly more, but you take those four things and put them in a local church pastor, and you can grow a church. Sure. You can mm-hmm. grow a church as far as numbers and buildings and, you know, and, and, you know, and things. We have a tendency, budgets, you know, mm-hmm. that we tend to measure success by, and yet get to your in, into your ministry and realize you did every bit of it completely devoid of anything otherworldly, mm-hmm. anything supernatural. And man, that scares me to death. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It scares me to death that that could could happen, and that's why it's important for us to have this conversation and to have a course on it and to to talk about it. Yeah, know, so. yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. So, what does the Bible say? Um, what What are some texts that you that you look at, or uh, you know, they just seem to to jump off the page uh, in in dealing with spirit empowered exposition. So I I think the the primary theological idea is uh, is the idea of the filling of the spirit, mm-hmm. right? uh, and part of the reason you know we don't talk about it as much as I think we should in preaching is because we number one we know that's a that's something that deals with all of the Christian life, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, but I, the, the most helpful thing, you know, just to maybe save a little bit of time to me has been uh, Luke's use of that term in both his gospel and the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, eight times in the Luke-Acts narratives, um, Luke uses the term filled with the Spirit in conjunction with somebody proclaiming, somebody speaking on behalf of God. And he distinguishes that from the character quality of just being full of the Spirit with the language that he uses. Mm-hmm. So in those eight instances, uh, he, he uses uh, an heiress passive, um, you know, where somebody is being acted upon mm-hmm. by a force, you know, or an influence other than themselves, right. you know. But when he describes, say, in Acts chapter 6 and the listing of the seven, when he describes Stephen as a man uh, full of faith and the Holy Spirit, he just uses an adjectival form. Mm-hmm. And, and he's, he, I think he's making, and it's, you know, people smarter than me have made this observation, but F.F. F. Bruce, the great uh, mm-hmm. you know, New Testament Greek scholar, is, is one of them. Uh, makes the observation is that he's he's distinguishing a character quality which all of us ought to be in pursuit of all the time. Yeah, you know, of walking in the fullness of the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit from the standpoint of the, you know, the Christian life and holiness and you know and ri- those type practical righteousness. But he's distinguishing that from. A measure of grace uh, by the Holy Spirit in the proclamation moment. Mm. Uh, now, I don't, I don't think that's limited to mm-hmm. preaching. Sure. I think it, it, you know, spills over into our personal witnessing. But mm-hmm. it, the, the, there is, you know, there's this discussion out there. We know there's lots of people that don't believe you know, in the anointing as mm-hmm. far as the preaching, you know, how Bounds uses it, the unction. Yeah. And those are probably not the best words, and that's probably one of the problems. But we end up throwing the baby out with the bathwater mm-hmm. and say, oh, you know, anointing is not real, unction is not real, and they throw that out. But then, the, the you know, what the baby gets thrown out, and the baby is the concept of the filling of the Spirit for the proclamation moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where the Spirit attends to, you know, the, the preaching moment. And so a lot of pastors, preachers get lazy with that or they ignore it because they've seen an abuse of some terms, yeah. but overlooking some very scriptural, you know, uh, you know foundations. So I th- that, that's that been a very helpful thing for mm-hmm. me. I think they're, you know, First Corinthians 2, and Paul says— you know, when I didn't come with, you know, excellency of speech or of human wisdom, uh, declaring to you the testimony of God, um, uh, but I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And then he said, I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. He, mm. Paul's talking about his preaching there, yeah, yeah. and he talks about what was on display, what was at work, what, you know, what, what was being put forth, and ultimately what enabled people to put their faith in the God that he was preaching and yeah. not him as yeah. the preacher. So that's a, you know, that's another text. I think on a witnessing, you know, just from a, a general proclamation standpoint, 
Acts 4, you know, yeah. when the apostles That's come exactly back and they have that prayer meeting, mm-hmm. you know, and the last thing they pray for, it's an incredible prayer, last thing they pray for is grant to your servants that with all boldness they may mm-hmm. speak your word. Mm-hmm. And the next mm-hmm. verse, the commentary says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And they and that's one of those eight times, yeah. by the way, that, that Luke uses it. They were all filled with the Spirit and they spoke the word of God uh, with boldness, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. I just think we see this theme in a number of places, you know, yeah. just the attendance of the Spirit to the to the preaching moment. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of that, that boldness, just from personal, you know, experience, I, I've had many, 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 many moments where I'm in the study and I'm working through and I realize what the scriptures are saying. And right around that time, I realize what I have to say. <laughs> yeah. And I feel, you know, the the consternation. I feel the weight. I feel all. And I'm just going, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. Right. I don't know mm-hmm. if I, I th- this this message is. You know, either it's 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 a confrontational message, and and you know I like people, um, yeah. and I don't know if I if I really want to go there, or if I say this, um, you know I don't know what the reaction is going to be, or if I say this, uh, you know the 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 message is just too massive that I don't know if I can do it justice, you know, just all these different things. And, and, you know, Annie knows because she, she typically sits next to me on, on Sunday mornings, which is, you know, a healthy habit. Um, uh, <laughs> she, she has probably heard me pray this four, four words, help me Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's it. Just right. help me Holy Spirit, you know, is what I pray. And I'm just sitting there and I'm feeling, you know, you know, I mean, my 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 stomach is going, you know, is doing jumping jacks and everything all around the place. And then, you know, the whoever, you know, on the music team prays and as they're walking off, I get up. And when I get up and I start preaching, I know that he is with me. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I know that he's with me. And and, you know, I, I will feel a, a typical Monday morning, you know, I'll feel, you know, all kinds of, you know, critique and everything about myself, <laughs> you know, things that I could have done better. I could have said this better, could have said this shorter, you know, and, and, and all these different things. But one thing that that I never doubt is that the Lord was with me. Uh, because there's no way I could have gotten from beginning to the end, yeah. you know, without the, without the Lord being with me. And yeah. so, yeah, just that sense of I need you. Don't abandon me yeah. <laughs> when I get up there. Um, but please, Lord, would you would you work through your word, accomplish what only you can accomplish? And I really think that there are many times where people have come back and they've you know uh, given some you know thank you or or something. Yeah. You know, you had no idea. You know, even some folks were you in you know were, did you bug our house? You know, like, this is exactly <laughs> what we were talking about, and all of these different things. How am I supposed to know that? Exactly. There's no way yeah. I can know that, yeah. but He does. And he navigates and 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 even you know adjusts my wording you know yeah. and, and and all of this to say exactly what they needed right. to hear because he has a word for them and yeah. that's all the spirit at work among us. Yeah, 
That, you know, that, that's so helpful, uh, you know, just in, in thinking about our confidence in that. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't think our confidence in it is always based on how we feel. You know, mm-hmm. you, you kind of you jump from here's how I feel at the beginning and then on Monday morning. I think about being in the middle of a sermon. I'm probably the only one, <laughs> not the only one that, you know, has been preaching a sermon. And in, in the middle of it, I just think, why didn't somebody just go ahead and shoot me and get this over with? <laughs> it's like, it's like, I mean, you just don't feel like yeah. it's going, you know, the the way you know the way it is. I think this is what's so important about having a confidence. It's a faith issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, our Christian life is built on this. You know, mm-hmm. it's faith. It's got to be a faith issue that all right. We look at Scripture and we know there is an attendance of the Spirit, a measure of grace for this event. And, you know, it. we, we believe that and we yeah. embrace it. And we have to be careful mm-hmm. about, you know, really basing it on how we feel. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. So, so what does this look like? What, what, I mean, because I know there's some folks where they're like, okay, you know, is it a certain approach, you know, a certain style or something? I mean, I could read Spurgeon, Martin Lloyd Jones, you know, and then maybe even more, you know, contemporary, uh, you know, sermons like a Piper or or a MacArthur or somebody, and and you look and you go, okay, they're not saying it the same way, and yet there are folks that can pick up a book from Spurgeon that he wrote in the 1800s and go, this was exactly what I needed to, you know, what I needed to read at this moment. Or, you know, there, I just, I see, you know, uh, so much more the greatness of God, you know, or the love of God or some, or, or something. And, and we just go, we would say, well, that's God working through his, through his word yeah. after all of these years, you know, he's still working through his word. What, what is it, you know, what, what is a spirit empowered exposition? Like, what does it look like? I th- I think one of the worst things we can do in in dealing with this subject is try to measure it. Mm, mm-hmm. it. It's the big question everybody has is, okay, well, how do you know if you have it or you don't? How do you know if the Spirit is attending or he's not? How do you know if you're filled with the Spirit or you're not? You know, And I, I think personally that you know that goes back to the influence of our culture. That's mm-hmm. what we 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 want to make. And there there are individuals who've given testimony. Individuals I greatly respect. You know have said, you know have described it in ways like you know, um, well I I feel like I'm having an outer body out of body experience. In other words, while I'm preaching, I'm I'm outside myself looking, and and you know that that may or you know that that may be a reality sometimes. And others have, you know have. You know, have gauged it uh, and how it looks uh, in different ways. But the thing that, you know, the thing that reminds me, I think, to be careful about that is you look at the pages of Scripture as well as church history. I think there were, were individuals who proclaimed God's word who were. Their 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 preaching, their proclamation was attended by the Holy Spirit and. 
there was great fruit, visible fruit immediately. You know, mm-hmm. thousands got saved at Pentecost, you mm-hmm. know, uh, just, you know, life, people falling under conviction. But there are also testimonies in Scripture and church history of individuals who've proclaimed uh, God's Word in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and they got their heads cut off. Yeah, yeah. That you, was the response. You mentioned you Jeremiah know? earlier. Yes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have to be careful about trying to measure it, um, I think the the important thing is that we align ourselves with everything that Scripture would teach us, you know, goes into, you know, t- engaging the Holy Spirit, yeah. you know, and, and that comes back to certainly walking in the fullness of the Spirit, you know, and... Mm-hmm. Keeping in step with the Spirit, Galatians five, not gratifying the you know the the desires of the flesh, things that are part of our lives before we ever get to the study. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, even our prayer lives. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, prior to, I think one of the most important things uh, is is embracing the economy of God in Scripture of strength through weakness. Mm. You mentioned earlier about how our culture, you know, influence our culture does everything to pull us away from one of the primary uh, ways that God operates mm. and that is he has chosen to use weak things yeah. in, through which to manifest his supernatural power. Mm. I think that's what's going on in First Corinthians one and two. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know that's not the way you learn Christ. You know, start mm-hmm. siding, picking your favorite speakers and everything. You know, but he says, you know, God used a foolish message, the cross. He used foolish means of proclaiming this message. You know, mm-hmm. and he used foolish men like yeah. us. Yeah. And twice before the end of chapter one, he. He says, why? You know, so mm-hmm. that no man would boast in his presence. Nobody mm-hmm. steals his glory. He quotes from the Old Testament at the end yeah. of the chapter. Yeah. And that's the whole point, you know, is that whole strength, thorn in the flesh thing, you know. Mm-hmm. My grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect or realized to the fullest through your weakness. And Paul says, whoa, if that's true, bring it on. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, most gladly will I r- rather boast in my for Probably that that probably is the most overlooked, neglected thing. We do everything we can to do strength upon strength. You know, mm-hmm. be be strong. You know, I got to find a ministry context that's fit for me. You know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. Uh, I want to find my strengths so that I can maximize them. You know, we yeah. do we do stuff that we don't even think about. Yeah. You know that that really is contrary to this whole idea of strength through weakness. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that's, you know, a, a, another one of those things. And then we started this conversation talking about prayer. Uh, I just, you know, we, we think we're so busy that we have to multitask prayer, and yet Jesus, who, you know, was more in communion with the Father than any of us will ever be, Yes, he prayed along the way. I think he did some multitasking, but he also stole away for seasons of unhurried, protected, mm-hmm. insulated, sacrificial prayer yeah. that's indispensable, you know, yeah. for this. So all of that, I'm, I'm not tr- I wasn't trying to ignore the question. I just think big picture, we need to be careful about measuring what it looks like 
and we need to be more concerned about aligning ourselves by faith with mm-hmm. everything Scripture mm-hmm. teaches us is part of, you know, of engaging the Spirit. You know? Yeah, so it's almost like if you want uh, to know what a, a Spirit-empowered exposition looks like, you first have to look at a Spirit-empowered expositor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's it's exactly that's a great right. point. Yeah, great point. Mm-hmm. Any final words of encouragement uh, for our pastors, <clears throat> church leaders, uh, anyone listening? The last thing we talked about probably would be the biggest encouragement. You know that I would have is don't try to measure it. Just look at scripture and align yourself with everything that you know that that scripture teaches us about engaging the spirit and and we didn't mention them all you know mm-hmm. that's a there's lots of things that would go in there with that another thing i would say is you know have some accountability in your pursuit of this accountability and help uh you know i people that told me you used to well I, I pray for you every day i used to take that with a grain of salt hey thank you for that but i've gotten to the place where i've stopped I, I really try to stop and look somebody in the eye and say thank you mm-hmm. i don't take that for granted and i desperately need you to do that mm-hmm. uh you know rally people around you that pray that will pray for the attendance of god's spirit you know yeah. to your 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 preaching and your your ministry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good word. That's a good word. Thank you, Doctor Shaddix, for uh, for our time together. Thank you for uh, such a wonderful discussion on spirit empowered exposition. And uh, for all who are listening, thank you so much for uh, listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Uh, if you found this episode helpful, I uh, want you uh, consider. Uh, giving us a five-star rating and review. Uh, We definitely would love to hear any feedback that you're willing to give. And as always, it's our mission uh, here at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors. And we hope that we've done that with today's discussion. And as always, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.